around the world, engineers and architects, constructors and owner-operators are using Bentley software solutions to design, build and operate the infrastructure that sustains our economy and our environment, including integrated applications and services built on an open platform our solutions enable digital workflows across engineering disciplines and distributed project teams from the office to the field. And today, leverage digital twin technology to help solve the most complex of engineering challenges. Together, we are advancing infrastructure. Welcome to the latest episode of the Engineers Collective. I'm Claire Smith and I'm editor on New Civil Engineer. I'm going to be joined today by three guests to look at how BIM models and 3D site models have evolved into 4D planning, which has enabled construction projects to undertake full digital rehearsals before ever moving on to site. To talk to me about the benefits of 4D planning and digital rehearsal to review program logic, design, logistics, optimise processes and de-risk work on site, I'd like to welcome today's guests, who all work for John Siskin Sons. They are Regional 4D Planning Manager Liam Clark. Head of 4D Planning, Josh Hansen, and BIM Lead for UK Civils and Rail, Rupinder Wilku. BIM has over 10 years experience gained through working for software consultancy with Synchro, which is now owned by Bentley Systems, and now works directly for CISC, delivering 4D planning. He has a real interest and drive to improve project planning processes and performance, with an ever-changing focus on how new technologies can be applied in different areas. Liam is also involved in various cross-industry groups, which are now developing new standards and documentation to drive project delivery improvements. Josh also worked for Synchro before joining CISC and says he has lived in a 4D world for over 10 years and is always looking to continually improve projects, safety and performance. He is a keen advocate of digitally rehearsing all aspects of the build sequence before even setting foot on site. He is passionate about de-risking and making programmes more robust through the use of 3D and 4D modelling tools. Rupinder's focus at CISC is the implementation of BIM-enabled workflows to improve productivity in construction and supporting the firm's civils and rail clients to unlock the value and benefits of data-driven decisions. He says that he feels lucky to have served in the AEC industry for over 20 years across Africa, Europe and Asia and the UK and he's very passionate about BIM. His firm's support for BIM comes not just from the transformation of design, construction and asset performance it can deliver, but he sees it as a means to improving the well-being of our communities. So welcome to the Engineers Collective and thank you all for joining us today. So not all of our listeners will be familiar with the terms 4D planning and digital rehearsal. Could you start us off by explaining what they mean and what software you use to undertake those processes? Cisco has been doing 4D planning or digital rehearsal for a number of years. Um, but basically 4D planning is, is, is a... The, the case of linking a 3D model to a construction programme. But I suppose it, it almost encapsulates all site information in the same space. So you can, you can look at a project at any point in time. It's, a, it, it's, it's almost like, I think we've heard the phrase many a time, it's a bit of a time machine. Um, so you, you can quite quickly flick to 50 weeks ahead in programme and see where the job's going to be at. And if your client says to you, oh, can we see, see where the job's going to be at in two years' time, we can show them and see what progress has been done. Um, so yeah, it just it just gives gives the whole uh, project team, you know, client team as well, uh, that that comfort that they can see the job before it's built and know that they've got that comfort that we know exactly how we're going to build it. So Liam, could you talk us through what the digital rehearsal is? Yeah, so I think as as Josh said, really, it's it's using the softwares and and the information that's that's available to us now on projects um, to to essentially just digitally rehearse um, the plan of work for site. So right down to the very minute details, looking at that logic at sort of 15-minute intervals, if that's what's needed around certain pieces of work, um, just to ensure that we're kind of identifying any risks, uh, issues, or, or even opportunities as well at the desk rather than um, on-site. Obviously, if an issue, uh, sorry, an opportunity presents itself um, on-site, then that's great, but obviously an issue, not so much. So if we can spot those things early, um, and obviously risks especially, spot those early um, and avoid those occurring on-site, it gives us sort of ultimate control then to run multiple multiple scenarios um, and take a look at sort of what option suits us best as an alternative. So what software is it that you're using to do that? Synchro. So it's, 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 uh, it's a Bentley software, Synchro 4D. Yeah, so I mean, myself and Liam used to work at Synchro back in the, the early days of 
um, 2012, 2011. Uh, so we've kind of seen, we've seen the tool evolve. Um, and again, like you, you, you speak to a number of different users that use it for different things or in different ways. I think that's where you, you gain, I don't know, more, more te- techniques yourself when you're looking at different types of projects. And that only improves the software as well. And I mean, Bentley are quite good at taking on board feedback or, you know, things that we suggest to improve the 4D planning process. So it's a great tool. I think that that's, it, yeah, it's interesting as well that in, in recent years, as Josh touched on, sort of when we started, it was it was very much 3D, 4D. There were fairly siloed packages of, of work. Um, whereas now with the, the way that different softwares are advancing and the connections that you can make between the softwares, it opens up a lot more um, opportunity uh, to look at different things in different ways. Um, and it brings a lot more people to the party to a certain extent as well. So I know through construction, there's always a push to remove the silos and connect everything and collaborate. And I think software vendors and, and sort of some of the smaller software vendors as well are really working to make that happen now as well. So you mentioned that you first started using it in 2011, 2012. How long have each of you been using these tools? Uh, I got into the whole BIM arena, I think back in 2011, 2012, when the mandate, mandate kicked off in the UK. Uh, so I've been I've been dealing with 3D from the start. Uh, I've been in the industry for 20 years, uh, so it, it never really got into play until about 2010, 2011, when the mandate kicked in. Uh, that sort of leads into what uh, Liam suggested as well. Uh, uh, I think design reviews, delivery has always been part of the design process. But when these technologies came on board, that just gave it a completely different perspective, became much more interactive, became much more virtual. So Josh, Liam, you've both been working on 10 years as well, is that right? Yeah. Um, I mean, for myself, literally studied architecture technology at university and then came straight out of university to work for Synchro, which is the software we use. So yeah, I kind of had an an interest in in tools like Revit or 3D modelling tools at at uni. So it's a bit of a bit of a step going straight into 4D. Um, But like like Liam said, the, the two have really came together now. So it was kind of like the perfect time to do it because as, as 3D was evolving, 4D was just getting started really. So we've kind of been on the journey over the past 10 years, just watching both of them integrate better and better together, which just you, you get better project results that way as well. So given your 10 years experience with the technique, would you call yourselves early adopters? I mean, how widespread is it used currently? I, I Yeah, I'd say 10 years ago. Um, there was a lot of interest, but it was it was very much output driven so um much as it's still used in that way now it, it was it was very much um just used to effectively show off to a client or to secure work by showing off capability that you might have access to um in that sense and, and less focus on the actual uh, benefits to the projects in terms of like say opportunity risk um etc i think as well um yeah like Liam just said it was it was more more driven around can you just give me a fancy animation to tell me how you're going to do it? And it wasn't necessarily um, showing the construction program. I'd say in some aspects it was kind of fudged just to make it look right. Um, I think where where Cisco really took it took it to the next level, I think in in taking on board what we're saying about the process, it is full on embedded into like the planning process now. So the the, the main benefits that are coming out of 4D planning are a more robust program, um, a safer build. We're looking at temporary works. We're looking at logistics. We're looking at key interfaces on the project visually, um, and I think that's always been a really big big battle for planners. Generally, is trying to demonstrate uh, their their logic or their critical path when they've got three thousand tasks tasks in a program, and all four D does is it just literally gives every line in that program an object so that you can see when that line in the program is coming in, uh, and if there's something wrong, it will look wrong, and straight away everyone in the team can see that it looks wrong. They don't have to follow links in a program. So, yeah, I mean, coming back to the original question, I do think we were early adopters, um, and we've definitely seen it come on the journey, haven't we, Liam? Yeah, it's interesting from our point of view, because, as Josh said, we came into the industry doing 4D, so it's kind of the only thing that we've known. So it's it's kind of, it, it can be hard sometimes to sort of try and win people over from the old traditional methods, as people refer to them as, because it's all that we know. So I've, I've been in a few meetings over relatively short career where 
the 4D model wasn't in place yet and they've got people sort of with big binders of A1 drawings on a table and everybody's pointing at different drawings at different times and the conversations are so fragmented. Um, so you can kind of understand why 4D has such a huge impact on projects, as Josh said, because everyone's looking at sort of one source of truth, I suppose, to use a, a buzz term. Yeah, and probably, probably just pulling off what you've just said as well, name about the old school techniques. I mean... Rapinda will tell you about 2D CAD and, and things like that. I think we just we like we we always discuss around the evolvement of of 2D to 3D. It's exactly the same with with the program. Like there's there's nothing wrong with those traditional techniques. We still use them ourselves, but all all we're doing is and all Cisco trying to do is do these things better. So I mean we all know that you, we've all looked at 2D plans before, and then it gets modelled in 3D. You go oh, I didn't realise that was in there because you can't see it on a drawing. It might just be a hatch or it might be a dotted line or it's the same in the program. People don't fully read the program, whereas if if you show them a you know a sixty minute clip or a hundred snapshots taken from the program, they they fully understand it, even if they don't know it's program driven. Yeah. I think we we are definitely early adopters, Josh. I mean, both you and I have worked previously on previous projects for yeah. Highways England. Yeah, I've worked on uh, Highways England's early adopter BIM project. Josh was working on another project which was an early adopter when it came to four D sequencing. And that's the way we first met. That was back in 2013, 2014. So I think certainly we got, we were right there at the start and we could see the benefits. And that's what we're trying to now implement as a de facto business as usual practice now in Cisco. Yeah. So have the techniques evolved over the last decade to get to the point where Cisco is today in terms of use of these tools? I mean, from, from my point of view, I mean, the challenges we had, I mean, information exchange was a big challenge when I first got into it. That's improved dramatically. It's much more seam. I wouldn't say seamless. It's much more easier uh, to exchange information today. Uh, but also, just to add to that as well, uh, the effort required to build the models, the level of detail that we we can incorporate in the models, have also become much more straightforward and easier to do as well. And that's made a big impact on what we can do quickly and efficiently. Yeah. I think I think the other the other half of that is is the people because you know as the industry's growing and new newer people are coming in with newer skills, it it, it is the norm like they're almost expecting it. Um, so if if we've got graduates that are coming to CISC, as soon as they're coming to CISC, they're they're given a presentation on things like digital project delivery, BIM, four D planning, um, and they love it. Like they, they they've already heard about it at university. It's been in the modules, so they're already familiar with it. It's it's, it's it's almost what they expect if they come into a main contractor now. Liam, did you have anything to add? I think, yeah, really backing up Rupinder's point, that you sort of, compared to 10 years ago, you're now sort of 40% of, of the way down the road towards sort of leveraging these kind of techniques. Um, that There's not the, the, the task of sort of filling in a lot of gaps now in terms of digital um, information that's available, both geometry and data. Um, a lot of it is, is done, as you say, as standard as a best practice uh, across a lot of businesses. Um, and that makes sort of interacting with those data sets and leveraging the benefits from those data sets from a CISC point of view. Um, and obviously passing those on then on to clients, even easier, better, quicker. Um, and I think that's only going in one direction. And as I said earlier, the, the tools and the softwares to, to tap into those sort of data pools is, is, is improving all the time. So... It's quite exciting sort of where it's going in the next five, ten years. So sort of ten years ago, you were creating the drawings to be able to do that animation, whereas now that information exists to go into a model and it's available more readily. Is that right? Yeah, I'd say absolutely on a permanent design front. Um, there's obviously a little bit of a split between um, different sort of sectors and, and things like that, but we still have to add a lot of temporary works. Um, but there is, again, an increase uh, in, in, in output from sort of subcontractors now as well feeding into these models so where you've got a specialist piece of sequence um they're offering up a sequence of their own and saying okay this is the way that we we'd like to do it we can run a comparison um we can sort of integrate and federate federate their programs against ours and it just as, as i think we've all said it sort of opens up that conversation into a visual platform that as i said earlier even if they don't know that it's program driven people love to comment on a visual <laughs> um so yeah it, definitely helps. So when did CIS first start to apply the techniques and what have been the main benefits for the business? I think between myself and Liam, like I said, we worked at Synchro. We was almost doing, you know, a, a consultant role um, for 4D planning. 
Um, and we was working with CIS back then, and that was, like we said, 2012, 2013. Um, so there, there was there was using external consultants back then. They might have done if they had any capacity in-house. Um, I think there was only really finding their feet with like Beerman Digital Project Delivery then as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been at CISC three years, and in the three years I've been here, since from the first first year I was working uh, out of one one region within the business, uh, and now we're across the whole of the UK from construction to civils. Um, we've scoped to go into rail and uh, Ireland and Europe, so there's 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 plenty of scope here. But um, yeah, I'd say pretty much every project within the UK in terms of uh, building and civils uh, fully adopt the the 4D process now, and that I'd say you know majority of the benefits are in the pre-construction stage because you are you're planning the job, um, and I think that's where the the, the visual aspects you, you know you're de-risking the program, you're doing that validation piece, you you know ourselves as a as a main contractor are adding in all the things that we need to build it like Liam touched on, you know we're gonna have uh, temporary works, there's gonna be hoardings, there's gonna be exclusion zones, there's gonna be plant. And we add all that in ourselves again, just to give you know the project manager or the director the peace of mind that he knows we've looked at everything on that project. You've also got the time to impact stuff then as well, haven't you? If it's if it's that early on, I guess as, as you get nearer to actually things playing out on site, there's only so many things you can control and change. So yeah, yeah. So that's def- definitely where the effort goes in. What about you, Rapinder? Are there any benefits that you've seen in deliver at Sisk? I mean, Josh hit the nail on the head for me. I think. Teams have started to recognise the value of this and what they're trying, what they're doing, and, and we're seeing the requests coming in pretty much. I see it on every tender that I've been involved with. They're asking the question: Can we do this process earlier? Can we bring it earlier so they can mitigate the risks, potential delays later on? Uh, it, it, that on its own is helping us to think about how we are delivering much more better ways of delivering the whole concept of leans being challenged through this whole idea of let's virtually look at this process. So demand's clearly growing for its use on projects, but what's driving that demand? I think from my point of view, as an industry, we're moving more towards this lump sum delivery model. This is, this is continually challenging us, finding us, help, uh, challenging us to find better and more cost-effective ways of, of, of delivering it. And this where, like I said, 4D digital not only supports that whole concept of lean delivery, with the process allowing us to minimise the risk, making decisions a lot earlier that could have potentially caused delays and risks to opening up the sites. And even uh, uh, planning activities on site, safer activities, can we avoid doing something that could potentially add risk to the guys on site? That has a major, major impact. Yeah, I think I do think that the, the main main driver behind, like you know, pushing a strategy or pushing change like this, is the people. Because, um, we, 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 I mean, if if we didn't have four D planners at Cisc, the message wouldn't get out. And when like we've we've touched on things on site where if wait, once you're on site, your head's down, you're looking at the next thing. But if you hit a problem, your head's down onto that problem. You're not looking ahead. And I think once we've once we've got that message into people that we're, we're able to look ahead at any point in time visually, they they get the fact that well, I mean, we've, I've had project managers before saying. Um, the, the the whole 4D process has given them more time on site, which which again is is only a benefit because if if they know about all the problems up front and we've done that full validation piece, it's fully de-risked. And our presentation, like there's there's one slide in a presentation about 4D and the the it says what does 4D mean to Cisc, uh, and the, the the almost a slogan for what it means is it's at the centre of how we deliver our projects because it involves everybody. You've got you know you're you're involved in uh, your estimators doing their prelims for logistics and people and you're involved with the planners and the program and the logic and your commercial team you're feeding stuff to them in terms of quants and outputs and looking at rates and you know it, it, it does involve everybody and I think when when that model's on the screen in the room we, we you know it's always saying you want people to ask the stupid questions but it really does get people to ask the silly questions um, and I think that's what's driving it is that once people see it, they believe it. The appetite's there, and then they only want to see it again on the next one. Then I think that, I think that's that's something that we're starting to see the benefit. As you said, Josh, you've been here now three years at Cisc, um, and I think in the industry at large as well. It's kind of it's, like I say at Cisc, I'm starting to see people now coming off projects that are just tying up from when you first started. That as you say now are coming through, and they've got a better idea now of how they'd like to reuse 4D. 
they've perhaps got some regrets as to where they didn't use 4D and now they're thinking that'd be great to get it in early so we can get this planned out and have those early conversations. So I think, like I say, we, we, we're sort of going through a nice cycle at the moment where there are a lot of people coming out much better informed with much more exposure um, and they're demanding a lot more of the process. So I think a lot of the time on projects now it's it's a case of telling people to calm down a little bit more than... Uh, get behind us and get excited <laughs> so no but it's they're demanding more from you as well as from the um 4d planning absolutely but it's 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 a great thing great thing to see because we've spent so many years i think trying to sell the value and now it seems to be paying off and i think everybody sees it which is wonderful so so over the three years of using digital rehearsal at Cisco, you must have had some standout projects where the t- techniques have really come to the fore can you share some of those with us liam what was your milestone project yeah, so I mean, I've I've only been with, with Cisco myself for just under twelve months, um, but I mean, the, the standout one for me, probably at the moment that I've been involved with, would be the M6 Junction Ten. Um, had some great sort of development with the teams over the last few months, uh, leading up to this weekend. Actually, there's a, a lift going on um, at Junction Ten. They're installing um, some uh, rather large steel girders uh, across the M6. Um, there's a full closure in place um, and sort of going through that over the, the few months, we've been quite heavily involved in looking at stuff such as um, positioning of cranes, reach of cranes. Um, obviously, a lot of the initial information comes in from the subcontractors, um, but th- their information obviously tends to show their best fit of where they'd like to put their crane. But then when you, you overlay that with all of the other um, interfaces that are happening on site, the other temporary works that are in place, considerations of taking out um, perhaps permanent road furniture that's already in situ, such as central reservations or uh, lighting columns, etc. Um, you really start to see the value of 4D and, and bringing all of that information together in one single uh, place. Can you tell me about the digital rehearsal you carried out for the work on that scheme? What level of detail did you go into and what kind of issues did that reveal? Yeah, so I mean, using using the lift this weekend as an example, um, we, we've we've sort of planned it down to fifteen minute intervals. Uh, so looking from seven pm on the Friday through to handover of the motorway on uh, Monday morning, it's it, it's fifteen minute intervals to understand are all of the parts to enable that critical lift um, that happens sort of five times throughout the uh, the overall weekend. Are all of the parts prior and post in place to ensure sort of minimal disruption, minimal risk, um, and if we maximise all of our opportunities, as I sort of keep harping on about the same three points, but that, that's 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 sort of what we try to drill into each of these models. Um, and we are able to, like I say, load these models up in detail. We looked at, like I say, different crane positions, and that also helped us to then communicate that back to the client uh, and the, for them to better understand sort of what we were proposing. And so there's obviously been some soft benefits on that side. Um but the, the, the site manager now also has um, essentially a, a, an animation output or a set of images on his iPad that they're using for um, inductions. Obviously, it's quite, a, quite an intense period of work being a weekend closure. Um, so if they can quickly get people that are attending site to consume what's going to be happening in the next hour, six hours, two days... Um, without having to point at drawings, Gantt charts, et cetera, et cetera. That's a nice sort of soft outcome of all the work and planning that's gone into the last few months. So were you looking at what kind of in, what infrastructure needed to be removed on site to be able to actually move those bridge beams into position? Yeah, so in, in the early preliminary stages, um, like I say, we were looking primarily at crane, crane locations, ensuring that we had the right reach uh, where we needed to site um, the girders to be lifted. So we were obviously looking at creating minimal disruption to the existing road network. So could we condense all of that down into a single carriageway or do we need to spread across the two? What different types of closures do we need to have? Um, and then, as I say, just considerations around existing um, barriers and, and lighting columns and things like that as well, which seem fairly minor um, and perhaps might even get missed off this kind of study. But it's an existing asset that would need to be managed um, once you got to site if it wasn't considered. And I know Josh... You've had a previous example of that um, in your previous life where that caused sort of, although a minor delay, it was something, an extra stress and different things once they got to site. Yeah, on the previous smart motorway scheme, again, was installing um, gantries and this was like a 47 metre span gantry. And it wasn't until we actually mapped everything out in 3D um, with all 
the temporary works again, cranes, all this sort of stuff, and you looked at what assets needed to be, to be taken out, you can almost animate the swing of the gantry, and you, there were certain light columns that people didn't realise had to be taken out because they didn't think they was affected. So it's just, yeah, it's just that peace of mind, isn't it, that, that everything's been looked at. Yeah, because imagine trying to take a lighting column once you're on site. That's going to be quite time-consuming, isn't it? Especially when you've only got, I don't know, a night closure or a weekend closure to do it in your time's of the essence, isn't it? Yeah, so if our listeners are, are trying to use the M6, it's not open on Monday morning. You can blame Liam. Yeah, just Liam. Okay, that's great. <laughs> so the rehearsal has really driven the programme, but it sounds like it's really engaged the whole project team with using it for inductions, things like that, to create a really integrated approach. How has that benefited the work on site for the M6 scheme, or is that something we're not really going to know till Monday morning? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Um, no, I think, like I say, it's, it's all the stuff that, that, that the guys have been mentioning up until this point. It's it's that full exploration of all of the design information, um, making sure that we understand the extents of the work to be carried out. Um, like I say, the temporary works that are constantly changing because different things um, are impacting on, on the way that the work needs to be delivered. And I think just that that soft benefit that everybody knows where they where they are, what they need to be doing, um, and that there's no real unforeseens, um, and that, and that, like I say, everything's been accounted for. I think that's 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 the biggest sell that we've 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 fully digital re- digitally rehearsed the installation, so there's no stone left unturned, um, and now everyone's got sort of a great set of of outputs to to go and push that to the teams, like I say, toolbox talks, et cetera, just to sort of help people to understand what's happening within their shift. So I think from, a, especially from sort of a health and safety perspective, I think that's a really great, great thing for people to understand where the crane's going to be positioned, which way the trucks are coming down, um, which carriageway, um, and just all those little sort of, although they're probably quite big and obvious things to most people on site, I think anybody that's turning up for a, a short shift or a small piece of work, obviously, and haven't been involved for the months prior. I think sometimes the the communication through that sort of medium is um, invaluable. I think as well, Liam. Uh, I think as well. You've got the like the, probably the biggest factor on anything like that because the number of people involved and the, the size of the plant involved. You know, you've got a five hundred ton crane or seven fifty ton crane. Um, is people plant interface? So again, you, you you can if you're looking at the job every fifteen minutes, you can see you can almost tell you your team where each of them are going to be stood so that they're in a safe position. Um, and it's like practice makes, practice makes uh, perfect, then it? So if you can rehearse it digitally or practice it digitally as many times as you want, so hopefully when you get to sites, there'll be no hiccups. Yeah, it creates that familiarity without actually having to be on site to experience it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that ties back into, like I said, the, the, TISC, the kind of detail that we're trying to put into these models now. So all of the exclusion zones are included um and and sort of we are doing stuff from different points of view so like i say sort of looking at as josh said earlier looking at the swing of cranes and different things like that and understanding whether we need additional banksmen and all those kind of uh questions that without these kind of environments it's hard to hard to know that until you're really sort of in that position and and it's possibly too late so absolutely brilliant josh what about you which project really highlighted the benefits to you um it probably have to be uh, the Isle of Man Ferry Terminal Civils project, um, which is actually uh, a project we've submitted for an infrastructure award for the Bentley Awards as well through Synchro. Uh, so it is one that we're, we're quite proud of in terms of the 4D side. What were the challenges on that scheme that made the digital rehearsal essential for that project? I think the biggest challenge is, is that the the site itself is an island. So there's there's one way in, one way out. It's, it's connected to land, but it's just connected by a road. Um, so you know, logistically, it's it's quite challenging, and I think the, the flip side of um, of this project compared to the M6 Junction Ten is we're we're almost looking at looking at this island in 4D to to ensure that every every part of that island, which is it's split up into eight zones uh, on the program, each of those eight zones can be accessed and fed materials and and be, be constructed uh, on in the time or the time frame that we're going to give them in the program, because um, there's there's a, a you know a specific example where we're trying to put a, a multi utilities trench and it, it literally goes straight down the centre of the site. Um, and we was on a meeting this week about it, looking at the model and looking at it at different points in time. But it, we, we we're talking to the subcontractor about how we can split this multi utilities trench up into into different sections. Um, because if we try and build it all in one go, it almost locks the job off for you know two or three weeks. 
Um, and shortly after we've done this particular trench is when we want to start erecting steelwork on the terminal building. But prior to that, we've got to we've got to start casting um, pile caps and ground beams. So you know you've got to, you, you, you can almost look at the job at that point in time and say, right, how are we going to get concrete wagons in? How are we going to get steel uh, delivered? How are we going to get a mobile crane into the job? You know, it, it, you, you almost look at it and you think, so if we've if we've dug that trench, we've installed the services in the trench. Can we actually track a crane over it? Or is it, is it going to be have a surcharge on it for so long? Or you know, there's all these questions that you can you can ask before you actually carry out the work. So it just allows you to do some scenario planning and consider what if, just in the office environment rather than doing it when you're on site and you've got a machine waiting. Yeah, I mean, typically on on you know any project that we're doing 4D on at CISC at the moment, we we tend to hold two weekly or monthly workshops, and you know it's not saying everyone has to attend, but most of the time, everyone does attend. And again, it's great to see. You'll have your, your project, man- project manager in there. You'll have your commercial guy in there. You'll have your agents or your sub-agents off the job that are in there because they're the guys that are on site day in, day out, seeing what's going on. And, you know, they're, they're almost pointing and saying, can you just drop a 100-ton um, a, a crane in there and just see what it looks like with its, uh, its outriggers on? Um, and, you know, you can quite quickly do that and see if the space there is required at that point in time. Look at oh yeah, like you say. Look at look at look at different scenarios. Repinda, do you have a case study you want to share with us of the real milestone project? Um, this wasn't with CISC. Uh, as I mentioned, Josh and I have previously worked on early adopter projects for the same client. Um, f- for me, that was the A one leaving project where uh, we we it was the first project that we trialled with Howard's England and as a joint venture BIM lead, we, uh, we've got the joint venture parties on board and we set up some digital rooms, rehearsal rooms on site. So every Tuesday, we had the site guys on in the room rehearsing what they're actually going to do before they actually go out on site. That was, a, uh, that was a, uh, I think, the realisation for me that how this technology, this new way of working could completely change how we actually deliver projects in the future. Uh, we It was a project that we also recorded the benefits for this client uh, we, we tried to measure the benefits uh, uh, but the key thing that for me that stands out till today is the whole process led to us reaching the goal of uh, 1.5 million safe hours for, or, or in two years without a single incident all led to this having this digital rehearsals every Tuesday morning it's my personal personal uh, achievement that I have hold dear to my heart. <laughs> that is a real achievement and definitely something the industry yeah. can be proud of. It sounds like it's really helping to integrate the project team. So with 4D planning and digital rehearsal embedded in six for three years now, you must have been really well positioned to change to remote working that the pandemic triggered. How did you cope with that change and how much did your familiarity with digitals help with that transition? I think the... I think everybody knows that the pandemic has almost forced everybody to use Teams. Um, and, you know, it was hard enough to, before to try to get people to use an iPad if if it wasn't simple or it wasn't quick or, you know, you didn't have to teach them an app, you know, on, on site, even though it would save them not leaving at five o'clock on a Friday. They could leave at two o'clock on a Friday. They still wouldn't do it. Um, but I think I think the pandemic has, has almost forced a hand with a lot of these digital tools. Um, which is, you know, is only a positive if there is one positive to come out of the pandemic. Um, but typically, during the first first and second lockdown, we, we'd be on on teams. We'd have synchro open. We'd t- almost do program reviews with with the teams, or you know, uh, presenting to clients. I remember the first, uh, definitely the first lockdown. I, I was li- literally going through uh, the program in synchro with uh, a client just going through week by week and the client was asking questions about the program and I'd never done that before you know, we, we'd obviously done it in the room we'd almost prepared stuff uh, to present to a client but in this in this instance we was actually just live in the software just having a, a walk around at different points in time and again like you, you, you are seeing more of an uptake now of clients like almost requesting to, to do 4D because uh, CISC know it benefits them as a contractor because the whole uh, the process piece and, and de-risking and validation but i think clients are seeing it from their perspective as well because if, if we're getting uh, a de-risked program sequence it's only going to benefit them in terms of getting a de-risked project uh, with less chance of things going wrong 
less chance of uh, costs being exceeded. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a positive for me. What about you, Liam? Yeah, I think as, as Josh touched on earlier, sort of 4D what, and what that means to CISC is, is, and where it's positioned really is at the centre of the process. And I think that really rang true during COVID and, and that sort of, and still to this day, really, that sort of distant, fragmented um, team location. I think everyone, because there's so many different things changing all the time across a project and the 4D tends to sit at the centre of it, it's sort of drawn the team close to the 4D model because they now rely on that to perhaps fill in the gaps where they've perhaps not been involved in a little bit of development or something new's come into the scheme that they perhaps weren't aware of. So I think people now see that as a, as a really strong reference point to, to sort of get up to speed. Um, and obviously with with people, obviously this happens outside of COVID, but people leaving a business and then and then do people coming into a business and getting people up to speed on projects. 4D is invaluable in that way as well because it's not only a record of what's happened but also a record of what's to be done. So it's it's a really good tool for for integrating people into a team and bringing them close around a central sort of uh, model um, to work together towards a project completion. So definitely. So do you have to have the Synchro application to be able to use it or are you, you working to have it so you can share it with the wider project team? Yeah, no, so I, I, I touched earlier on the, how much software seems to be moving in, in recent years. Um, and at Cisco at the moment, we're undergoing a, a pilot of a piece of software um, that essentially completely removes the requirement for any kind of software or hardware um, and should hopefully bring every person on the project into the 4D model, um, sat within a really simple browser interface um, and they can interface with it at any time without the requirement or the expertise of a 4D um, planner like myself, Josh, um, to to actually sit and drive the model. So that should hopefully even further ramp up um, collaboration and sort of feedback on the model and things like that. Well, Liam, it was only yesterday we were talking about this because the, the, there was a, a project manager saying to us, you know, there's there's a few things that will stop people from adapting anything like this. One, it, it can't be slow. And two, it can't be difficult to use. Because yeah. stra- straight away, if, if someone, even if someone opens up a model or, you know, even if it's PowerPoint, people could uh, go go to click through some slides. And if they're quite heavy slides and this, the slide isn't moving, they'll just close it down and we're looking at it. Yeah. It's exactly the same with, with any sort of new software. It's got to be easy. It's got to be simple. So it really sounds like the visual aspects are strengthening the need for 4D. Yeah. So with those kind of benefits you've outlined just now, the growing trend to use 4D and digital rehearsal we touched on earlier, its use is only going to grow from here, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I mean, I said in my my last uh, answer as well, I think clients are definitely getting a bit more savvy to to things like this. Um, And it, it it is a lot easier to understand. I know there's there's always going to be the 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 numbers and the contractual side to programs in terms of can you build it in x number of weeks or you know it, it, those weeks total money and total prelims so they want to know those hard facts but I think clients also want to see that you you have looked at everything and you've you've explored all these different scenarios and you know 4D gives you the opportunity to present any scenario to them and they'll get it. So if, if if they give you feedback to go away and look at a different build sequence or look at a modular solution or, you know, you can quite quickly go away, put something together in 4D, present it back to them and they go, hmm, I understand that now, but I also understand why it's going to take 10 weeks longer or, do you know what I mean? Whereas before it would just be a numbers battle. They just want that predictability for their programme as well. They want to know what their asset is going to be ready when they want it. Yeah, and I think, I think as well with a lot of civils projects or highways projects, um, you know, there's a lot of stakeholders involved. So every, all these stakeholders want to know how we're going to build the job. Is it going to impact them? How close is it going to be to their um, their business or their house or, you know, all these different things. Um, and 4D can quite quickly tell tell that person in that house how long you're going to be working by their house for. <laughs> so does the 4D planning flow into a digital twin of whatever it is you're building or is that something that calls for extra steps in the, to get it to flow into a digital twin? My belief is that we're only at the start of the cusp of where technology advancements that are now becoming available to our industry now will only allow us to connect the dots from design workflow, the construction methodologies with the ESS system and how they measure and ultimately providing the insights to make the right decision based on outcomes. What this means is that, yes, 
we've got to continually evolve our workflows to connect the dots more naturally. But this gives us the opportunity to do much more and use these evolving workflows to support potentially much more complex decisions and that will be supported with complex digital twins. So for me, it's yes, what we're doing today will become more, dare I say it, automatic or dynamic, but it has a potential as to allow us to do much more in the future going forward. Yeah, I'd agree. I think there's still a lot of debate within industry as to exactly what the definition of a digital twin is, but for me, it's obviously a digital twin of a physical asset that you can both control from the physical asset and the digital so it's kind of a two-way relationship um and i think with 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 the advancements in technology and um software and and things like that i think the site and the digital rehearsal are only going to become sort of closer together um and, and further connected and i think feedback from from sensors and different things on site around sort of curing of concrete pores and sort of removing that need for as much human resource on site to track progress and obviously a higher degree of accuracy with different sensors um and also just sort of i mean there's a lot of stuff now around sort of ai processing of of video footage camera images etc etc that that can give you sort of real-time feedback on resourcing your sort of your risks that might be occurring on site that weren't planned for and when things are slipping behind program and all those kind of things so i from, from my point of view, from a 4D planning point of view, um, I, th- I think that's quite an interesting space, sort of having more control because obviously you're sort of planning a perfect scenario, ideally, and digitally um, at desk. And obviously there's always influences on sites such as weather and other unforeseen circumstances that, that can sort of obviously affect that. But I think the more feedback you can get from sites and, and going through construction, if you can spot any things that are sort of veering away from your perfect picture earlier... Um, and you can raise a flag and say, okay, this looks like it's going a little bit um, off track. What can we do to, to sort of manage that? And perhaps we run a few scenarios at desk early doors to steer that back back on the straight and narrow. Um, I think that's a really good sort of next step for 4D towards a digital twin. Um, but again, I think that's a huge journey. And as Rupinder said, there's a lot, of, a lot of moving parts in that space at the moment. So what else can we expect in the future? I mean, the sector's come a really long way in the last decade from using animations to where you are today. What other benefits could increase use of the technique and further advances in technology deliver other than looking at digital twins? Rupinder, what would you expect to change in the next decade? I think there are two main factors that will have a big influence on how and where technology would influence benefits. The first one is there's a global 17 sustainability goals that every country has signed up to the blueprint and that's leading to governments, our clients already recording how their carbon and air quality footprint is impacting their current operations but they're challenging us to deliver projects that are not only uh, reducing that uh, footprint but aspiring to deliver a net zero impact. So that's the first one and the second one is uh, is we're moving into what the industry is calling an enterprise model or project 13 model. Uh, this model will allow us to share more systems, share our workflows across not just projects, but across on a regional level or potentially a national level. And that will allow us to share resources, recycling materials, more modular standard-based approaches of delivering. So technology will allow us to do a lot of this aspirational stuff that the government had I had been uh, aspiring to uh, as part of the 2050 construction strategy, uh, but it also support this huge 17 systemic goal that we all as, I guess, guests on this planet need. <laughs> what about you, Josh? Where do you think the will go in 10 years' time? I, I think it will just be further embedded. Um, I mean, t- typically on, um, like I said words earlier on, the, the smart motorways projects back in, um, 2014, 2015. Uh, there's there's a lot of re, you know repetitive uh, pieces of work on these projects. So a lot longer a linear road. You might have certain certain activities like gantries or different types of gantries where there might be three or four types just dotted along the job, and it's it's the same sequence over and over again. And I just think that you know 4D could be used really really well just to almost rationalise a sequence or look at a different way of doing it. 
Because if, you, if you've got a repetitive sequence, you might as well just try and, and get it quicker or smarter. Or like we say, reduce carbon or um, improve the quality. So, you know, looking at things like, uh, you know, modular parts or prefab units that could come in. Um, I mean, we, we, we looked at different things on the smart motorway as well in terms of communications chambers and, and uh, cabinets for technology. You know, there's, we looked at prefabricating those just to try and take X amount of weeks off the programme. And these are all, you know, little scenarios that you could quite easily put into 4D um, to try and r- rationalise the sequence, to, uh, to, you know, to improve improve the overall programme and improve the overall quality. And what about you, Liam? What, what do you think we'll see changing in the next 10 years? Yeah, I think very much the same as, as, as the two other guys have said. It's, it's, I think there's, there's obviously a, a definite heavy swing now towards sort of social responsibility around carbon. Um, and I think as much as, as 4D now is a vehicle for... As Josh said earlier, communicating stuff like design change or program change or or last minute change to the client to help them understand that. I think it, it can act as a tool to to sort of help them to make better decisions around carbon as well. I mean, for stuff such as I can't think of an example from the top of my head from a civil's perspective, but for 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 example, bathroom pods on a, on a building project. Um, I've worked on numerous projects over the years where they've they've been sourced from sort of southern Italy um, versus. Um, a factory in in Bolton, for example, um, and the projects in London purely because a price point. But then you've got to look at you've got to look at the the carbon footprint of each of those pods, the the, the travel issues and things that you can face in the manuf- obviously the uh, delays in the manufacturing process. So there's quite an interesting project before I joined CISC where um, they were planning their pod arrival. I think it was February March 2019. When did Brexit happen? Was that End of January 2019. 2020, 2020. It just feels like a lot longer ago. It's all a big blur. But um, they were effectively expecting their pods to come in from Italy just after Brexit. So obviously there was a lot of unknowns around Brexit and what how's that going to affect. So there's, I think it's, it's again, just even more visibility. Obviously at the moment we're just visualising physical assets um, in terms of geometry and things around permanent, temporary, etc. Um, but I think opening up all that off-site data as well, looking at, as you say, there's much more of a move to prefab um, across multiple disciplines, um, and stuff like real-time readouts of costs integrated into these models, so that if we're making a planning decision or we're looking at a scenario, we've got real-time impacts of how cost, carbon, etc., and all these different parameters are, are sort of affecting the decisions that we're making. So we can make a socially responsible choice as well as a financial choice and a, a safety risk and it's just better visibility and more transparency across all areas. I think that's the the biggest bonus, and that's that's I think the biggest benefit of where it's going to go in the next ten years. Be interesting to watch that developing. But clearly, Cisco is ahead of many businesses in the industry when it comes to applying four D planning digital rehearsal. What advice would you give to those who haven't yet used it, or perhaps in the early stages of adoption? Are there any common pitfalls that they should avoid? Yeah, I think. From, definitely from my perspective, you, you've you've got to have everybody on board. Um, so if if the business itself wants to do forwarding, they they understand you know the process and that it's not just this pretty picture that it's been known as in the industry for a few years. Um, it's it's the people that drive it. You know, I could I could sing and, and dance all day about how how good four D is, but if no one's backing me or if other people don't understand it, then it, it's pointless. Um, but I really do think that you know. If you if you if you push the right message and you explain that full circle of the process from, you know, here's your program, here's your three D, this is what we do, these are the benefits. Give them some examples. Uh, it's almost like a switch comes on in the head, and they they understand it then. And it'd be, it'd be the same with me if if someone was trying to explain, I don't know, still fixing for rebar. Um, they'd have to explain it in minute detail for me to understand it. It's exactly the same principles with us trying to preach technology to new people. Pinto, have you got any thoughts on what, what advice you would give? Yes, yeah, similarly, I mean, I'm just going to back up what Josh is saying. Uh, it's going to be disruptive. I think we've got to be realistic on that. But, you know, they need we, they need the reassurance. The reassurance is there. Uh, we can, uh, Don't be afraid to take risks, pretty much. Yeah. We're all on this We're all on this journey together. What about you, Liam? From my point of view, I think it's, at this at this stage, with with the way the process sort of looks and the the technology and software where it is, I feel like they're my 
three hot words for this podcast. I've said technology and software more times, <laughs> more times than anything else. Um, but I, I think at the moment it's just about resourcing things correctly. Um, there's a balance to strike. I think a lot of new businesses can be guilty of seeing it that it's noted down as a planning process and just pushing it towards the planner and saying, get on with it. Um, and I think it's about empowering people and, and making sure that they've got the resources that they need to build a detailed and accurate model that's representative of what they're going to be doing on site because too many times people say that they're, they're doing 4D or doing it well and it's literally just a, a sort of a, a bare structural model floating in midair with no sort of awareness of, of earthworks or access or temporary works or, or craneage or and it's if, if you're only taking it to that first stage and you're just reporting back to the team what they already absolutely know that they're doing abutments first and then lifting in girders and it, it's not going to have any traction and you're not going to get the value and I think it's taking it to that further stage but to do that as I say you need to just make sure that it's resourced correctly that the teams have got the time to go into that detail um, and then I think the benefits speak for themselves based mm. on what we've we've already said. So I mean given what you've already gone through in this last hour It'd be hard to see why people wouldn't want to adopt it, but there must be some barriers out there that are present, preventing more widespread adoption. What are those barriers that you commonly come up against? I think, for me, the, the two biggest ones are um, people think it's expensive uh, and people are sceptical. So it, it comes back to probably everything we've preached on in the past hour, but I don't, well, I don't really feel like I preach anymore because when I remember when I first started at CISC, there was there was a couple of project managers that um, I was told to get involved with. The, the jobs had just started, um, and I remember I sent an email, you know, setting out four D planning and saying how good it was. And the I had an email back just saying, "What's four D planning? It sounds expensive." And an RMD basically just said, "Ignore that. Get on with it." So I got I got on with it. Um, and yeah, a month down the line, there was you know. A number of issues that had been spotted from subcontractor programs, or you know, working areas were clashing, and things that just fundamental things that didn't work in the program. And then the site manager probably rang me every week after that. So um, once you get rid of those barriers, it's not expensive because you're you're paying for a planner anyway. You're going to get a program, so why not have a better program? <laughs> it's just leaving those people who are a bit sceptical about the process. Yeah, but I mean, they're, they're going to be they're going to be sceptical, aren't they? Because if you've got you know. An engineer that's been doing his job for 20, 30 years, um, he's always done it the, the same way and he's never had a problem. He's had a few glitches along the way, but he's never had a problem. He's probably thinking, why do I even need this? Um, but then, you know, if, if we'd like Rupinder said, if we didn't disrupt, the industry would never improve. So I think we've got to do something to improve. Otherwise, we'll just be, uh, we'll, it'll be an industry, like we said, that has it's got a, a massive carbon footprint. All its jobs are late, everyone's stressed. Work life work life balance is terrible. <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm not saying four D solves all that, but it, we have a good go. <laughs> Does sound like it's the best thing to start doing. I think that's just about all we've got time for today. So thank you for joining us. It's been a really fascinating discussion. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. I really love writing project reports for NC, and I'm really looking forward to visiting one that's used digital rehearsal soon. I think it will really help bring the project alive and help me in my job to share the innovation with our readers. So join us again soon for another episode of the Engineers Collective. The Engineers Collective is powered by Bentley Systems, with industry-leading software solutions used by professionals in organisations of all sizes for the design, construction and operation of roads and bridges, rail and transit, water and wastewater, public works and utilities, buildings, campuses and industrial facilities. Bentley can help accelerate your digital transformation. To find out more, visit www.bentley.com forward slash The Engineers Collective. <laughs>